FKTs are my, you know, one of my favorites because there's no like specific starting line and, and gun that goes off that you can, you know, I, I took an extra bathroom break before I went out and didn't have to worry about it, you know, like that sort of stuff. So I, I really love FKTs for that reason. It was great to have another person out there. And I do think it brought a really fun element for everybody else too at home. You know, I had a lot of folks. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you about the new running apparel company, Path Projects. Our team at Fastest Known Time has been using their shorts and liners for months, and Peter Backwin's wife, Stephanie, said they're literally the best-looking shorts she's ever seen them in. Besides the good looks, all Path Project shorts have a separate shorts and base liner system, which means the liner stays in place and wicks away moisture while the short rides independently. This eliminates all chafing. The baseliners come in three fabrics and four lengths. This allows you to dial in a baseliner based on weather conditions and personal preference. Path Projects sells direct to consumer from their website, pathprojects.com, not at retail, so they're able to source cutting edge fabrics without marking up the cost to you. Visit pathprojects.com and thanks to Path Projects for supporting fastestknowntime.com and this podcast. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, speaking with some of the most interesting people in the sports, as always, physically distanced and socially intimate and quite distant this time. I'm in northern Michigan, and I'm speaking with a woman from New York State and someone who's currently in San Diego, California, and I'm referring to Aliska, Alyssa Godeski, currently in San Diego, and Sarah Keys, currently in Saranac Lake, New York. Welcome. Hey, Buzz. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, Buzz. Now, uh, Alyssa, you are an old hand, so to speak, at this. We, You were on our number four, our fourth first podcast, when we were just a baby podcast, kind of lifting our head off the pillow. Now, here we are back on, what is this, number 104, 105, I think. So uh, you, you've, been, you've been around here. You've been with us for a little bit of time. I know these two years have kind of flown by and at the same time feel like just yesterday, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's cool to be back. Well, thank you very much. And you did the long trail FKT at that time. You got the number one F, female FKT of the year in 2018. And now we're coming back here with the Adirondack 46ers. Now, Sarah, you are a proverbial local. You live in Saranac Lake. You're in the Adirondacks. And this is one of these classic routes. Some people might not have heard of it. But if you live where you do, everybody's heard of it. So why don't you tell us about it? Uh, sure. So I'm Sarah. Um, I will say my last name is pronounced Kies. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in my whole life, everybody has said Keys, so don't feel bad. Um, but yeah, so I live in Saranac Lake, New York, which is just outside of Lake Placid, New York, which some people may remember for the 1932 and 1980 Olympics, Winter Olympics. Um, and so that's kind of <clears throat> a lot of folks jumping off point when they come to hike in the high peaks of the Adirondacks. There are 46 peaks over 4,000, well, almost 4, 4, almost 46 over 4,000 feet. Um, when they re-surveyed the high peaks um, after their original surveys way back when, they found that there were, I can't remember, Alyssa, how many are not over 46? I think it's four aren't over 46 yeah, now. So yeah, technically 42 that are over 4,000 feet, but they still include the other four 
to make you a 46er. So people attempt to hike them, you know, in all seasons. So there's winter 46ers. Um, and then people, you know, do the crazy grid also and try to do them like all, all in every month of the year. <laughs> but that takes a long time. Well, the 46ers are, like you said, a local classic. And of course, there's the Colorado 14ers, the California 14ers. And lately, the our last week's podcast, actually, the uh, Montana 12s and the Wyoming 13s, the New Hampshire 4s, let's see, the Idaho 12s, somehow New Mexico isn't making the list, not sure why that is, but the Adirondack 46ers, as you say, go way back. The people are pretty serious about this, and they've been keeping track of this for decades. Um, yeah, I mean, this, you know, it started, well, actually in the 1800s, you know, people would come and, and hike the high peaks and um, a lot of history here, you know, with um, um, like Mount Marcy at the time was called Tahawas Mountain, I believe, actually, when um, Teddy Roosevelt was notified that he may become president and he rushed back. And, you know, so there's a lot of um, and then, of course, you know, there's two peaks named after women here in the high peaks, which I'll let maybe Alyssa talk about a little bit. But yeah, so history goes way back here. And um, it's pretty, pretty cool to be out there and feel like, you you know, are amongst those mountains that those same, same people ventured into. So now, one of the reasons we're speaking with you two, is you two did something that <laughs> I kept expecting other people to do, but have not, which is to do a virtual race, if I am correct in describing it that way, which means you two, I think, I'll hear from you, learned that both of you were going to go for this, and you said, hey, let's start on the same day. But cleverly enough, you did not start in the same place. You just started the same day, and you can do the same thing. And that meant you were doing your own route with no help, no you know, shoulder to shoulder. But you could kind of compare your times and see how this came out. Is that fairly described? I think so. Yeah. So, you know, just to give you kind of the background of, you know, Sarah's obviously the local and um, I then to be able to kind of check out the trails and to do some scouting had to make a few trips over the last year or so. Really, I have been doing that. So. Um, I knew, you know, Sarah's such an accomplished runner in the area. So I have been following her, you know, I would say we were like Instagram friends, just following each other on Instagram and following stuff she was running. So when I was not there, I could be kind of getting some intel on the, the trails and things like that. And in July, I was up there for a couple of weeks and reached out to her to kind of see, you know, I told her I was hoping to go for an attempt in, in August and was, you know, running a bunch in those couple weeks, if she was around and was running too, that kind of thing. And she was like, Oh, I think, you know, I'm thinking of going for an attempt at, um, at the 46ers in August too. So um, that was, you know, super cool. I think at that point, we both kind of realized that um, one, it's great that, you know, another woman is looking to do such a, a big kind of effort in the mountains there. And then the wheels started turning as, you know, she said, when were you, kind of looking at starting and our, our, you know, target dates overlapped on one of the dates. And we were like, all right, well, that could work. Like this could be actually pretty fun to put something together for people to watch and to get to race. Um, and we hadn't really like compared routes or broken down that. I mean, I think that's 
a pretty personal part of the whole um, effort is to just like stick to your own route. So I don't think we needed to be like racing head to head on the same route by any means. But, um, you know, having at least the same start date um, gave us the option to pick our own times and our own routes and still be able to, you know, somewhat compete for that that final record. Yeah, right. so that um, that's one of the really cool things I think about the 46ers, you know, and going for a fastest known time on them is that it's a choose your own adventure style <laughs> where really the clock just starts at the first trailhead and then ends at the last trailhead. And you can, you know, I had a lot of fun looking at the different route options and, and, and attempting them and trying them out ahead of time to really like find what I thought was the most efficient route. Um, and I, I would think Alyssa probably felt the same way. It's, I mean, it was, you know, it was really fun. Good point. So you picked out, because there's a lot of tactics, there's a lot of local knowledge. You're local, but it turns out Alyssa had been going up there for a year to scout this out, which makes a lot of sense. It'd be hard to on-site a route this complex. Um, and then you indeed chose different techniques. You chose different routes. We did, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I knew that personally my strengths were just kind of in being able to hold like a steady, you know, hiking pace the whole time. For me, it wasn't so much about runnable stuff versus non-runnable stuff. I just, you know, I had some personal feelings about like my, how I wanted to have the last day kind of set up with the shorter segments. Um, I knew I wanted to knock out some of those more remote stuff uh, just, you know, in the first couple days. And I kind of felt like maybe doing, you know, the great range and being more towards the Adirondack Lodge on day three would be a good boost because that's some of the more popular areas. And even though we would be there midweek, I thought maybe seeing some other hikers out and things like that could be a boost. Um, And I also, I was definitely planning around strengths of my crew and where I would have some people pacing me and things like that. So it, it is really fun because it's just like a big jigsaw puzzle and you're kind of using all of those parts to back into what is most efficient for yourself. And like what you, at the end of the day, it's what you believe would be the best route for yourself. You know, I could, I could probably come up with a couple different routes that are probably, you know, less miles and maybe faster for some people who have different strengths than myself for sure. But ultimately, you know, I think we both felt pretty good about what we were, what we were in for, for ourselves. Good. That makes perfect sense. Um, and then Alyssa, you, you had the full on support. I mean, you, you know how to do this. Like I said, the long trail record. And so you knew how to go all out on this. You had a great deal of support and lined it out terrifically. Sarah, did you have the same level? Did you, uh, have pacers and have different people to meet you in different parts? I did. I had a crew of, I guess, let's see, like five or six folks with me that um, were all all pretty much local and, and very familiar with the terrain. And, um, you know, my, my uh, like, sensei, I call him, is Jan Welford, who Alyssa knows as well, um, held the men's record at one time, you know, before Ryan took it over, um, and also had the through hike record, too, with Corey. So, um, 
you know, I look to him and I have for many years as like a mentor. And um, so he was out there with me and he was pretty instrumental. I was going to actually attempt this last year um, and had broken my ankle in the spring last year and thought I'd be ready by, you know, August, but I just wasn't. So I, I held off. Um, and so last year, him and I had done a lot of planning on what, you know, routes would be available and, and what I, you know, what we thought would work best. So he was out there with me. And so he's been, you know, like I said, over many years, pretty instrumental in my, all of my running actually. But, um, then I had, uh, my boyfriend with me who was kind of like the main man on the ground who would kind of organize everybody else, which I think having two of him would have been best. (laughs) We found that he might've actually slept less than I did. So, um, yeah, it would have been nice to have a second uh, Jay out there with me that could have, um, or at least, you know, with him that could have driven while he slept and vice versa and, and helped to organize the other pacers. Cause you know, when things started to change as far as my um, projections, you know, somebody had to contact other people and it was, it's tough because in the high peaks, there's not a whole lot of cell phone service. We certainly do get it in certain places, but they, he had really had to watch my tracker. Um, and luckily he had one as well that I could communicate with. Um, so if he was somewhere without cell phone service, I could, um, you know, tell him where I was and, and how long and, or what we needed, that sort of thing. But I pretty much had somebody with me pacer wise the whole time, except for the first like 20 miles or so, um, which I did alone in the dark and I felt pretty confident about. So that was, that was wonderful. It was really helpful and, and entertaining and, and, and useful for sure. Okay. And Alyssa, you brought this in faster than John Welford and faster than cave dog, Teddy Kaiser. So you have the second fastest time ever. So you, you kind of got it done there, didn't you? I did, you know, and you've talked about the long trail a little bit. And I have to say, I, I learned a lot out there <laughs> two years ago um, doing that one. And uh, I was able to put some of that strategy and just like the sleep strategy and kind of, you know, really nail in my fueling and nail in the things I would want from pacers and, you know, being able to put all of that together. I think, um, I was excited to have another chance for an event like the long trail, you know, similar to have a few days to put that to the test again, because, I did feel like there were some things I could improve on and this gave me a really good opportunity to do that. And I think I was super pleased with, with coming out with that time for sure. Uh, Indeed. And Sarah, how does it, how does this work for you? So you guys started at the same time and then you came up a little short and here we are all talking about it friendly together. So is there any issues? I mean, is, is that okay? Is that, uh, I mean, pardon me for stammering for words, but how does that work for you? No. And, and I, uh, I really appreciate, um, you know, your sensitivity there, Buzz, I guess, like, because certainly, um, you know, I went into this pretty confident and feeling strong and good and, and, you know, you, but you never know what's going to happen out there. Um, And for myself, you know, like I was really excited to have other women wanting to run in the high peaks. I mean, for a long time, you know, the last decade, it's kind of just been myself and a small handful of other people at all that want to run in the high peaks. And now there are actually quite a few women and that's exciting. Um, And so, you know, obviously you never know when injuries are going to pop up. I ended up with kind of like some extensor tendonitis that started bothering me on the third day and by the end of the third day it was pretty bad, but, um, 
you know, so that slowed me down immensely. So you just never know, you know, you go into these things, you know, and you have to be confident, I think, you know, especially with something this huge, but um, you also have to understand, right, like it may not go as planned and that's okay. That you know, the mountains aren't going anywhere either. So. <laughs> ah, does that mean you might be back next year? Possibly. I've, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what, uh, what would either of you, or both of you, I should say, have to share about this route in particular, or I could say about the style of two people doing it at the same time? I think, um, you know, it adds to have someone else out there definitely adds some fuel to the fire. You know, um, I think the competitive edge is nice. And I think that's something Sarah and I both have probably been missing this year is, you know, a a real race kind of thing. And um, I would love to see that happen more, even when, you know, normal races are in full swing. I think for me, knowing she was out there, um, you know, definitely helped me keep going and really stay on track to be pushing myself to, you know, get there as fast as get to the end of that 46 peak as fast as I could. Right. But in another sense, it just helps to know, you know, you're, you're mitigating that feeling of like feeling sorry for yourself too, because, um, you know, at that moment, someone else is still out there going through the exact same miles, the exact same ups and downs and feeling just as awful as you are at certain times too. And so, you know, there's less of a chance for a pity party, I think, which kind of helps, you know, it it definitely helped motivate me and and make it, uh, you know, that much more of a race kind of aspect where I think that had I been out there alone, you can certainly rest on your, you know, there's that danger of when you start to feel bad to be like, okay, well, I'll just play it a little safe and dial it back. And, you know, um, you know, at the end of the day, as long as I finish, I've got it. Like that wasn't the case for us. So, um, I appreciated that extra style for sure. I'll say personally, it it absolutely adds some more nerves to it. Right. But as someone who races professionally, you know, uh, that's what, that's what my job is. So (laughs) to, to kind of have more, uh, opportunity to, you know, race in that style and be able to challenge myself, mentally to embrace those nerves and that anxiety that comes with like what felt like a one-on-one race where everyone was watching you know I mean obviously everyone you know in my head was watching it wasn't certainly necessarily the case but to be able to manage that is I was trying to see it as like a growth opportunity as an athlete and to take that on and you know embrace it as much as I could and become a stronger athlete you know, win or lose at the end of the day from that experience. So luckily I had Sarah too, who's, you know, probably one of the most gracious competitors out there and positive and like, just excited to do it. So that certainly helped. I mean, I think if one of us was like, not, you know, kind of competitive, but also friendly, it would certainly change the dynamic, but it was, it added a lot of fun at the end of the day too. And so I think all of that kind of just made it a little bit more, um, you know, something I didn't have on the long trail, that's for sure. Sarah, same for you or different? Yeah, no, very similar. I think, um, you know, I will be honest when I first, when, uh, when she reached out to me at first, Alyssa, I was a little bit like, oh, I'm not the only one that wants to do this. 
And, but, you know, I quickly within, you know, within the hour was like, actually, wait, this is really cool that somebody else, you know, is going to attempt this and why not do it at the same time. And, you know, I don't know if I would have felt that way if we were following the same route, you know, that would have been interesting. Um, but definitely, I'm definitely missing, you know, racing this year. Um, you know, and I, I do like to say I'm not a competitive person, but obviously I am. <laughs> and um, you're right, like this, you know, it's what we do. And it's, you kind of become used to those, um, those nerves, I guess, of racing. But this was special, because, you know, I was saying to Buzz before we started that FKTs are my, you know, one of my favorites, because there's no like, specific starting line and, and gun that goes off that you can, you know, I, I took an extra bathroom break before I went out and didn't have to worry about it, you know, like that sort of stuff. So I, I really love FKTs for that reason. It was great to have another person out there. And I do think it brought uh, a really fun element for everybody else too at home. You know, I had a lot of folks who know that I was going for this. And so I think they really enjoyed, and I had a lot of people tell me they were like watching both of our trackers, you know, like had it on at the office all day, you know, things like that, which I thought was really great. Cause I would have been doing the same thing. Um, you know, it's entertaining for everybody else too. Wow. That's wonderful. I really appreciate that distinction because most people obviously are out there just wailing away all by their lonesome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're doing, you know, something that takes four hours. Okay. But if you're on a multi-day effort, you're out there at night and, you know, motivation alone at night is a lot different than motivation when there's a thousand people cheering you on to the finish line. <laughs> yeah. And so to have at least one person that you can virtually sense is out there, I would think, uh, like you say, it would add a little more pressure, but also for you two, very experienced, that's what you do. Yeah, Buzz, I actually had um my tracker. So I had a Garmin InReach Mini as well, you know, setting my tracker and there's obviously still a lot of things I need to learn with the technology of it, but I had not turned off the message feature. So people could go onto my tracking page and I guess you're able to just send a message to that person, um, you know, from your computer as you're tracking. And I had so many messages coming through while I was hiking of people. I had no idea who they were, you know, a few I definitely knew, but a lot I didn't know who, who were just out there watching and saying, like, I'd get a message that says, you know, good job, keep pushing, you're doing great, blah, 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 you know, and I'm not recognizing any of these names and numbers. And I mean, one time I was literally at a particular intersection called Times Square, it's in the the Santas, and when you're you're doing those three peaks, and I had literally stepped foot into this intersection, and my tracker bings, and every time I was checking it, because I didn't know if it was the crew saying something, or who knows what was coming through. And I look and someone had texted to the tracker and said like, oh, Times Square, like, I see you're there, like, great time today, like, have fun, you know, I mean, as I was stepping into that intersection. So at that moment, I knew how, you know, like, people are having fun and enjoying watching this. And so I think that, yeah, that was, that was super cool to see. Um, although next time, I'll probably, sorry, guys, turn the message feature off, because I was stopped to check it <laughs> quite a bit to make sure there were no actual emergencies or anything. Technology worked. Yep. <laughs> but it was cool to, I mean, the cheers were actually getting sent to me. So I appreciated that a lot. Wow. Interesting. Social media has, uh, if you, if you control it rather than having it control you, social media is terrific. Totally. It can be an asset. Right. Okay. All right. So the, uh, 
ADK 46ers. Um, Alyssa, what do you think? Obviously, you would like it since you slept up there to do it. Um, New England, but as a professional triathlete, you've been around the world. What? How do you? What do you think of the uh, the Adirondack High Peaks? It's it's just such a special place, and I think the two things that stand out for me about that region is, um, you know, I had I've been going to the Lake Placid region since 2013 for the Ironman there, so I'm quite familiar with the roads and you know the Ironman racing aspect of it, and until I set foot in the high peaks, I was just blown away by that wilderness aspect of it. And it's, you know, such a huge wilderness area that's protected to be a wilderness area by the state. And because of that, it's, it's such a special place. And the trails are quite unique. Like if you haven't been to on proper East coast trails, I would say those definitely meet the definition of that. They're just very rugged. Um, you know, they're not, they're not groomed. There's not a lot of switchbacks, if any out there. Um, they're just rugged and rocky and rudy and they test you, you know, you're going to have to be, uh, you know, a good runner is going to do well out there to a point, but it just, it's going to call on other strength, I think. And that is something that really appeals to me and that I'm drawn to about that area. Um, and then secondly, just the community that's out there, I think, is just so special. Um, the people who are, you know, aspiring 46ers or who are 46ers are out there on the trails and just people going for a day hike. Um, people are just, you know, it's a, it's a community. And once you're, you set foot on your first high peak, you're, you're part of that community. And I think that is something I have not noticed in a lot of the places that I see racing around the world. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that I have found it. And it's definitely a place that, you know, has a special place in my heart for sure. The Beast Coast, as they say. That's well said, Alyssa, because I am from Colorado, of course, and that's true. We don't really have that big of a community. Our community is a little more dispersed, um, certainly true in California, all the way out west. But every time I go back east, it is, as you say, it's a little tighter. People know each other. Uh, particularly in New Hampshire, I think that's true. But Sarah, you're a, a pro athlete. You've been around, and I think you were born and raised in the Adirondacks, and you're still there, or you came back, one of the two. So obviously, you like it. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I would say that folks that live in mountain towns really want to live in mountain towns. <laughs> it's, you know, it seems glamorous, but it's not always easy to live here. Um, you know, the winters are about six months long and, you know, sometimes there's a thaw in the middle of January and then you can't do any skiing. You know, there's, it, you have to love the outdoors to be here. And, and yes, it's correct. I did grow up here and, you know, I traveled around quite a bit and thinking someplace would hit me as like, oh, this is the place I'm going to live forever. And nothing has like here. Um, I, and I do love that, you know, I'm part of the community here and people, you know, know me, you know, they see me, and, you know, I can't go out and do anything without seeing somebody I know. But, and I like that. Um, most of the time. <laughs> um, and I do think though, most people probably feel about like their home mountain, you know, the way that I feel about the Adirondacks, it's like these mountains really help shape who I am as like a, a human and a runner. Um, but yeah, you have to be tough to live here. <laughs> you know, it makes you feel kind of like a badass to like live in these tough mountains. And, um, 
be able to, you know, spend time in them. And like, they don't really care about the mountains don't care about you. You know, I, I love them. Um, and it's, it's a special place for sure. And there's special people that want to be here. The mountain town environment, right? You have to want to be there. It's not as romantic as an outsider might think because you have to make a living. Yeah, I work about three jobs, <laughs> athlete being one of them. But um, yeah, it's it's not always easy. Okay. And uh, the famous, well, it's not that famous, but what you just said reminded me of Rick Trujillo's pre-race speech, which he gave like every year. So he got kind of sick of it, but I still remember it before the Imogene Pass run, mm. the mountains don't care. He, he kind of liked to say that. Uh, I think that's what you're referring to, which is you're, you're there, but they're going to do what they're doing. When if it snows three feet, okay, fine. You got, you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of times I've, um, you know, and, and I think too around here, like we have a lot of rock climbers and, and backcountry skiers and, and people that take a lot of risk um, because they, that's what they love to do. And I, you know, there's certainly been a lot of runs I've gone on that, um, you know, probably wasn't as prepared as I should have been, you know, on a high peak when it's in May and the weather changes quickly. And, you know, I'm not totally, you don't have like the right traction device or, you know, and I make it, but it doesn't mean, you know, I'll make it every time, but that's, you know, that's kind of our culture, I guess. And, you know, the mountain, mountain people, but. Okay. Well, what, and this is my standard question what is next? So, um, of course, in times of pandemic, it's a little odd. Nobody's exactly sure what's next, but just in terms of uh, your recreational goals, either race or FKT, Alyssa, what's next for you? That's a great question, Buzz. You know, I I had hoped to uh, get in the UTMB lottery this year, and obviously UTMB didn't happen regardless, but um, I had spent a year, you know, 2019, I guess, getting the points together to enter that lottery and such. So I am hoping, you know, it'll, it'll be more of a wild card than ever, I guess, now that, you know, after once things do start happening again, and that's such a hard one to get into, but I would love to get that kind of on the calendar, um, sooner rather than later. And then, uh, you know, I have, definitely appreciated um so much the the support of having a crew for the long trail and then in the Adirondacks but I think I'm ready you know the Adirondacks is definitely pushing my myself a little bit more out of my comfort zone um in terms of in the mountains and the bushwhacking that was done and and things like that and so I have certainly you know been trying to get even more outside my comfort zone and and think more about doing something self-supported um or unsupported at some point so you know, I, I definitely don't have a, a firm route or anything like that, but I'm continuing <laughs> to to get more comfortable on my own in mountain situations. And I would love to, to go after something self-supported uh, maybe in the next year or so. Okay. I continue to push the envelope. And a male counterpart of yours, John Kelly, who was on our podcast, uh, I think it was six weeks ago, he was a professional. Well, I wasn't a professional, not as good as you were. He was a triathlete. But he moved to the UK and undertook to do the three big classic rounds, which is like the 46ers. We call them, we just give them the numbers here, but in the UK, they call them rounds. 
which is <laughs> sorry, I start to laugh when I hear this terminology, is it's when you link up the different summits. And that's what a round is. And he decided to bike to all these rounds, which was he didn't manage to finish it. But uh, I guess that came to my mind, Alyssa, but I actually wouldn't recommend you try that. So I think your, your <laughs> idea is much better. I, I, I shouldn't, shouldn't even have said that. John, wow, John is an ambitious guy. We'll see how he does. Uh, but I think your idea of doing something self-supported or unsupported is an excellent step just to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, it is cool to have the strengths of, of being able to ride and uh, being able to swim. I'm not sure how I could really, you know, sneak a swim in there. I think some people have done some stuff with like the, across the Colorado River and stuff, right? But um, I don't know. I think for now, I'll probably stick to staying on my feet for, for the trails for the time being. Good idea. Although with your swimming ability, right, that was my route. Rim to rim to rim alt requires swimming the Colorado River twice. But nah, nah, I think it, no, good call. Don't need to be doing that. Sarah, what about yourself? Well, you know, I, I, we want to get to, I had a pretty extensive calendar this year that I was really hoping to do. So some of those have been, you know, obviously postponed till next year. Um, and so, I may try to go to some of those, which would include like Chuckanut and Lavaredo and back to, to Chamonix for one of the UTMB races. I think I do not have enough points at this point um, after breaking my ankle in 2019 to, to do the big one again. But um, yeah, so I want to get back to some racing, I think. And, you know, for the fall time here, which is beautiful, we are in the perfect time right now where the leaves haven't fallen, but they're changing. So it's still safe to like run pretty hard on trail <laughs> without being worried about your footing. Um, you know, and I might attempt some shorter stuff here. Um, one of my prior FKTs was the Great Range Traverse, and I might go back for that again. Um, uh, Lindsay uh, Webster, who's Ryan's wife, uh, took that one from me last year. So I might try that again. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Well, excellent. Those are good ideas. The, I like that. The leaves are changing, but they haven't fallen. Cause once they fall they're they're a little slippery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for us at the fastest known podcast next Friday is Matt Hart with his book, win at all costs. So mm -hmm. stay tuned um, this is being, the book is being released on October 6th. And as it happens, Matt and I have already had our conversation. I know what's in the book, but I can't talk about it because the book isn't released until October 6th and the podcast will be released on October 9th. So pick that one up. Matt did amazing research, by the way. He interviewed a hundred people, went to the Nike campus, and this is all about the Nike Oregon Project. Alberto Salazar, who got a four-year ban for doping, and Matt was there behind the scenes. He understands it all, and he's got some interesting stories to tell about what not to do. So listen to this podcast and Sarah and Alyssa for what to do. Read Matt's book for what not to do. Indeed. And uh, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. Please give us five stars because it helps other people find us. Okay. That's, that's what uh, really helps spread the word. Well, Alyssa and Sarah, this has been a delight. I hope we talk with you again. Thanks.
Fuzz. It was great to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.